0: I'm Amanda. I'm Jessie. In this podcast, we talk about the joys of motherhood as well as the experiences that have altered us along the way. We've created a safe space to talk about the hard
1: and unconventional alongside the beauty, and we want you to feel confident in the decisions that you make as a mother. Welcome to the Motherhood Collective Co. Let's talk. Welcome back to the Motherhood Collective Co. Um, This is episode four of our birth trauma series. We're going to wrap it up um, nice and clean for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about birth trauma and how it, um, how PTSD settles in our brain and why it happens. Um, And I also, we we asked some questions to my sister-in-law who's a therapist um, and we're going to go over those, the answers she gave us later on, which are going to be super informative, super helpful um, in terms of like, how do you find help? How do you help somebody that you know is struggling and those types of things? Yeah. And
0: get some resources in your hands to go forward with. You
1: can walk away from right now to start your healing journey, which is so important. Um, So first I want to say in my research about birth trauma, I found a stat that said between 25 and 34% of women report their births as traumatic. It's a lot. It's a lot. But how many people actually report their births as traumatic? Yeah. So what are the actual stats? Um, and, I, and I know we live in the United States where our intervention rates are sometimes higher than Much non-intervention intervention rates in this country. So I, I do think that that is skewed because I think a lot of times we're not honest with ourselves yeah. in our birth stories for a long time, 18 yeah. months for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also found this quote when I was looking at birth trauma and the definition of birth trauma. A traumatic birth experience is defined by circumstances in which the individual patient believes her life or that the life of her baby was in danger or that a serious threat to the mother or her baby's physical or emotional integrity existed. So regardless of if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, but I didn't have something happen to me like Jesse had, um, that doesn't matter. Because if you believed, if you thought, if you were scared at any point in time, And your labor delivery or postpartum experience,
0: it's valid. Any of those factors we talked about in the last episode, Mm -hmm. if any of those things were true for you, then yeah. Yeah. Go back and
1: listen to that if you need a recap, because
0: (laughs) that's super important for people
1: to understand. Um, One of the biggest things with PTSD just as a whole is people don't really understand what it is. If you haven't walked through it, you really, really don't get it. Yeah. the belief that you are in danger, it settles into your body and into our ancestral ability to avoid danger. And it causes us, um, it causes the fear to literally live within a part of our brain called the amygdala. And this is like, people call this our ancestral brain. Um, and it's something that it's not unique to humankind. It is very much an animal thing that we're all given to stay safe. Our body believes that it is in danger. Um, And you can think of think of like an antelope eating, you know, in a in a in a field and they hear a noise behind them. They've never been in danger before. Maybe they're young. And all you know, they hear a noise, they ignore it. And then they ignore it. And then all of a sudden this lion comes out and they have some response time because that's their nature. But it's not fast enough and the lion gets them and severely injures them and maybe they were lucky enough to get away from that lion, okay? That fear that they experienced, that trauma that that antelope experienced, it is going to store in the middle of their brain. So now, here we are a year later, the antelope is healed and they hear a rustling in the grass behind them. And it's nothing. Maybe it's a prairie dog. I don't know. Something that's non-life-threatening. But the antelope's body immediately goes into Mm -hmm. fight or flight because their amygdala says, I know what this is. This is dangerous. And their body is going to live as if it is in fear, Mm -hmm. even if you can logically say, okay, that wasn't anything to worry Mm -hmm. about. But because of that, because of that um, response, the next time a lion actually does pop out of the tall grass they're going to have a much higher chance of survival. Mm-hmm. So that is why PTSD is such a problem. Uh, it, it is literally our ancestral brain trying to protect us. Yeah. Um, luckily, you know, we have trained professionals that can help untrain our brains, mm-hmm. you know, from that trauma. And I guess the point I'm trying to make with that is like your PTSD, your birth trauma, it doesn't, make you faulty. It is literally just your brain doing what it's supposed to be
0: doing to protect you. Mm. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That makes sense. And I think that's a good point to make for people who are walking this with other people experiencing PTSD to understand that this is happening on a, um, a a brain reactivity level. This is a heightened fight or flight response. This is wired into their brain Mm -hmm. and this is not, Simply a belief system or a state Mm -hmm. of mind or something that they chose or are can grow out of. This is something that needs direct healing, and it's so valid and it's so real. And I think even looking at brain scans, I don't know if you've seen brain scans of somebody who has PTSD versus somebody who doesn't. I remember my therapist telling me one time, if if you want to know if you have anxiety, for example you look at a white van and someone who doesn't have anxiety (laughs) says that's a white van. And if you do have anxiety, you say that's a white van and it's parked next to my car because I'm going to get kidnapped Mm -hmm. or they have a a weapon or they're trying to take my kid and your brain starts going down that rabbit hole. And that's a different rewiring. That is not something like you touched on in the lap episode. That's not something that you directly choose no that is a thought as a result of something that has happened to you that has reprogrammed your brain to perceive threat where there might not be threat
1: and it's doing that to protect you Mm -hmm. which is like the main point I want to get through your head that nothing is wrong with you yeah and if you have somebody telling you that something is wrong with you then please send them this episode (laughs) please send them to my direct Instagram account I can send them resources but people that have PTSD have um when they do brain scans their amygdala is more lit up than the average person and the prefrontal cortex is shrunk. Mm -hmm. So the prefrontal cortex kind of controls the logic side of things. So while you can logically say, so for example, the reason I had birth trauma was because I was sexually abused as a child. And when my midwife did a cervical check on me, totally normal, a million and five people every day have it done and it does not affect them. My amygdala just lit up. And it said, I'm in danger. I'm being assaulted. This is not a safe place for me to have my baby. My prefrontal cortex, which would logically say, hey, this is just my midwife and I'm probably not in any danger, is shrunken and it could not overpower the amygdala. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that is a very physical reaction. And it's not, PTSD is not a mental game whatsoever. No. And we can't treat it that way. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna get through PTSD. by talking it out a Mm -hmm. lot, I mean, it it helps. It is definitely healing, but you need actual professional help to get through PTSD. And we're going to talk a little bit more later on, um, from a professional, like what is the criteria for PTSD? So we'll get to that. Um, but like I said, just a minute ago, luckily today we have trained professionals that can help train our brains to recognize that our bodies are no longer in danger um, the most researched therapy modality for PTSD is EMDR. Had you heard of EMDR before your birth trauma experience?
0: I had, yeah. I did it with a previous medical trauma that I had experienced, um, about four years prior to okay. my birth.
1: Okay. Lucky you. Cause I had never, I really had never heard of it. Um, and for those of you who don't know what EMDR is, I'm going to give you a little bit of a lesson. EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So the theory behind EMDR is that our brains process um, the events of the day while we sleep. It categorizes and files um, everything we experience in that day as important or unimportant. So, you know, for some reason I can remember the color of the rug at my house when I was three years old. (laughs) But sometimes I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday because your brain is going to kind of get rid of all those things that it thinks is unimportant what happens when we experience something traumatic though is our brain decides it can't categorize it Um, either it doesn't want to revisit it which in most cases that's the theory it doesn't want to revisit the pain and the trauma and the, the you know adrenaline and all of that so it just kind of puts it in a box it wraps it up in a pretty bow and it says do not open ever. (laughs) And it just kind of is never addressed. Um, it's never filed away properly. So EMDR, they, the therapist, the specialist that is, um, helping you guide, guide you through this, will have you talk about the memory, bring up all of those like physical reactions, and they will guide you through, um, an eye movement that replicates the REM cycle of sleep so that your brain can actually process and file and store away, this traumatic thing and while you'll still walk away from it understanding and knowing hey that was a bad thing that happened your brain can categorize it okay this was important it was negative but I'm not in danger and EMDR kind of prides itself on um getting people better within sometimes a few sessions where it would normally take years of psychotherapy. And that most of this research is done with our combat vets um, in the United States is they come back and they have serious reactions and triggers and PTSD. And so there's been a lot of research with EMDR. And I think it's a really great resource and a really amazing way to like it said heal faster
0: yeah my therapist actually will ask me at the beginning of an EMDR session how distressing something feels or this story or this what happened feels in this moment and I give her a number and then she asks me again at the end and it's always lower yeah and I just think that's really cool it can help even in one session
1: yeah a lot of times I've had things resolve in one session yeah um I wanted to talk a little bit about each of our experiences with EMDR because I feel like a huge barrier to getting into therapy is like, you don't know what to expect. Um, So tell me a little bit about your first EMDR appointment Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to tell everybody a little bit about mine.
0: So my therapist had given me a heads up that this was something she wanted me to do. And because I had already experienced it, I knew what to expect, but if you don't know what to expect, I went in to her office that day, and she gave me, there's like these little kind of like beads, like large beads that you hold in each hand that are connected to um, this small machine that kind of sends like this pulsing sensation, like back and forth to each one. Um, And you can kind of dictate what, um, how fast or how strong those feel, but you hold one in each hand. And I believe the idea behind that is to engage both sides of your brain. Mm-hmm. So like you are saying, what's happening to me present and and try to translate that to this has been, this happened to me in the past mm-hmm. and it's not happening to me currently. Um, try to help your brain store that file away like it's been trying in to do. In its proper place. In its proper place. So that's kind of how that started. And then she wanted me to close my eyes and, and start from the beginning of my story. Mm-hmm. And I will say I was actually really frustrated this first session because with my birth, there was a lot of things I did not remember. Yeah. So I would start to process in my head how this was supposed to unfold. And I would just open my eyes and say, oh, I don't remember what happened next. And I actually, that first session, I was just frustrated. I was just yeah. like, I can't remember all of this stuff. Um but as I started to piece together things from, from what other people had told me in stories and pictures and videos and all of that, I was able to start to finish process in my head. Um, and then she would just ask me throughout my story, like, you know, where are you at now? Where are you at now? How are you feeling? Mm-hmm. What, what do you believe about this situation? Yeah. And we kind of went from there.
1: Yeah, and I think what you're just saying, like, Memory is hard to access. That is a very common symptom of PTSD, and I mentioned it earlier. But our because our brain doesn't know where to file it, it puts it away, behind a wall or in a box. And that's why whenever you talk to somebody that's got PTSD, they will remember some details very vividly, and then they will not know what happened for mm-hmm. amounts of time, whether that's a short amount of time or a very long amount of time. And that's just the way trauma works. My my first EMDR experience was a little different than yours. Um, So I had found my EMDR therapist through the help of my sister-in-law, which I will tell you how to find one later. Um, But I went in and I told her my birth story, kind of a big, quick synopsis. But there was this one part that I just remembered so many details on. Like I could remember the color of the nail polish of the nurse, like that amount of detail. And she's like, okay, we're going to zone in there. And I didn't have any beads, but she does talk about that. My therapist does talk about that. Like, it's a really good way to process memories when you're walking because you're using both sides of your mm-hmm. body. Um, or some EMDR therapists I know have you, like, cross your arms and pat both sides yeah. of your arms. it's the
0: same exact concept yeah. as holding the little like, – I don't – they're not really beads. I don't know what else to call them, but – Yeah,
1: but my, my EMDR therapist was a little more traditional in the lateral eye movement that, mm. that resembles your REM cycle. So she would ask me um, – I want you to tell me about that moment in great detail. And she would ask me, how is your body feeling? Because she was having me relive it, which is hard. So if you, you know, you've you got trauma and you're going in for your first appointment, you do need to be prepared for yeah. that. You're going to be reliving, not only just like reliving it by telling the story, but they're going to ask you to live there for a second because they want that physical response that your body's going to give that thinks it's in danger. Um, so she, she asked me, like, "How are you, what are you smelling? What do you see? What color is this? Um, what? How do you feel? How does your body feeling? And how is your body feeling right now? And I remember, um, I my heart was racing. I was sobbing and I was shaking like uncontrollably. My hands were shaking so hard, um, it was distracting for me. So at that point, she said, "Okay, I want you to follow my fingers," and she moved her fingers back and forth in a pattern that helped my eyes. It replicated the REM cycle. And then she would ask me, okay, how are you feeling now? And I would tell her, and it would be a little bit less. And then she's like, okay, I need you to relive that moment again. And we relived that moment in my birth story over and over and over for 40 minutes. Um, But by the time I was done with that single session, that moment in my birth story no longer had a physical effect on me Hmm. in 40 minutes, which was huge. That is absolutely huge. I still had a lot of other parts to work through plus my entire childhood. (laughs) So, I mean, I had a long way to go, but that was like, it was a testament to me. Like I'm in the right place.
0: And you're kind of faced with two options. When you go through something traumatic, you can either, you know, do this really hard work and have to relive it and, and heal from it. Mm -hmm. Or you can try to stuff it away. Like you said, keep it in that box stored up in your brain but it's going to resurface
1: because it is a physical
0: reaction. It is not a mental thing. So no matter how hard
1: you try to tuck it away, you're going to be triggered and your amygdala is going to take, take priority over your prefrontal cortex and you will not be able to control it. That's what PTSD is. Yeah. Um, so my second question is like, how did you feel while you were doing EMDR? Like in the middle of it, how did you feel?
0: Well, I think that initial appointment, I was really frustrated. I was frustrated with myself. I, I pride myself on having an immaculate memory. Mm-hmm. So to know that this happened and there's spots where it's completely blank was really frustrating. Yeah. I think when we um, took a break and took some time over the course of several weeks, when I went back, I felt a lot of tension in my shoulders, mm-hmm. processing. Even right now, yeah. anytime. time... <laughs>
1: If you, you're watching this on YouTube or Instagram, we're both checking we keep our make, We keep
0: making this joke every time we go to look at this footage, but it's serious. It's mm-hmm. like, talk about having that stored in your body. It's tension held in your shoulders. It's these like visceral shakes that we get yeah. after these episodes where it is just, it's there and we've healed from it. We're mm-hmm. working. We've, we've gone through this stuff and it's, you know, but I would say when I did get to the point where I was able to piece things together. I felt empowered over what had happened to me. And I felt that I would be able to move through this and that it didn't, it wouldn't control me forever. I think just having that notion there the first couple times was, it, it was all the more motivation to be able to keep going mm-hmm. and try to figure this out. So it just felt like I was taking back control. Yeah.
1: I love that. I agree. I agree. I think um, I had some – so if you listen to my birth story, you know, like, the sexual abuse that happened to me when I was as young as a toddler from my earliest memories to, I don't know, five or six or so. And I only have maybe 45 seconds of actual recollection there. So once we got past my birth trauma, because I told you I felt, you know, the shaking, the body spasms, the sobbing, the strong emotional reaction – once we got through that and we kind of started digging into the sexual abuse of my past, I had that same thing where I'm like, well, I don't, I don't remember anything. Um, and my therapist would try to guide me through that. She was really good at it. Um, she would say, okay, well just tell me one thing or she, the important thing too, is like she, sometimes she didn't say, tell me, she just said, I want you to think of just something that you remember and picture it in great detail. And we would start doing EMDR. And she says, okay, now, can you, What are you thinking of now? And memories would become unlocked. And it was the most wild thing. Um, And it was also very traumatic because it was things that my brain had stored away that I purposely forgot about. And now here they are, just like right at the front of my brain. I can see, I can smell, I can feel what I was feeling in the moment. And that was very difficult. But while we were doing EMDR on those new memories, I was able to like process those things. So I think you... Going into an EMDR appointment, you do need to expect to feel discomfort, physical yeah. discomfort, because the entire point of this is to activate that physical reaction to the, to the stimuli, to the fear um, in your body. So for me, it was a nauseous stomach. It was tears. It was shaking. It was like my shoulders up to my ears <laughs> and all of those things while I was working through it. So I think that, expect that. Yes. Expect that. Um, my next question is, how long did it take for you to start noticing results in your life? Because I know we talked about how it can help in one session, but like in your actually actual day-to-day life, when did you start noticing results?
0: Um, it's hard to tell because I think that my healing journey had so... It was all-encompassing and this was such a small portion and compared to like some of the other things that I found really helpful. But I think... That even after my first session that I walked away, I wouldn't say my first, my second session when I came back and I had been able to cope with that frustration. I walked away, like I said, feeling a lot lighter and feeling like mm-hmm. I just had that hope that this wasn't going to be my every day anymore. Um, so I would say immediately. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I agree. Immediately. I um, After my first appointment, I can still remember exactly what I was wearing because this was such a monumental time in my life. at such a monumental moment. Um, and I went home and my husband Noah was sleeping, my husband was doing yard work, and I sat down and he came over and he sat down by me and he said, Okay, how was it? And I just sobbed. And I was like, you know, I feel like I don't have to take responsibility for everything. So that was the first thing I noticed was mm-hmm. I didn't feel responsible for the sexual abuse that happened to me in my past, which again, logically, I can tell myself that. I was like four. Okay, this was not my fault. I was a baby. Um, but your prefrontal cortex mm-hmm. is shrunken when you have PTSD. So um, I always carried that shame with me. So that was like a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Um, and I it immediately started seeping into other areas of my life just after that first appointment. I continued weekly for months and months though. So it was definitely not a one and done type of thing. Um, but that leads me into my next question, which was, what symptoms were the quickest to go away for you?
0: That's a good question. I think probably the tears. I would I was crying a lot, I think the first couple weeks and like in my story, I had said I didn't seek out therapy for I think an entire month. So by the time we're doing EMDR, I'm a couple months postpartum. Mm-hmm. And I think there was less tears and there were less moments that felt like I mean, I was at the point a lot of times where it would be like I'd walk out front of my room and there'd be a sweater on the ground and I would start crying because mm-hmm. I'm like, the house is a mess. Yeah. Or everything just felt s- too overwhelming really to handle. Yeah. And so I think as we started, you know, sorting through and compartmentalizing these things that were overwhelming me in this this trauma, I felt very healed and able to say oh there's a sweater on the ground I can pick it up and hang it up in my closet um which in the moment was it was it meant the difference between a good day and a bad day for me you know not not being able to cry or have to relive this every day was really freeing that was the first thing to go yeah that's amazing what about you um night terrors Oh, wow. That, that was the last thing to go for me.
1: That was the first to go, which I was so grateful for. And I talked about this in my birth story, but I would I would wake up in the middle of the night, multiple times a night. And I, don't forget, we're 18 months postpartum. So this is every night and I'm waking up and I'm seeing someone at the end of my bed. Um, and that stems from the PTSD I got, not from my birth trauma, but from the sexual abuse as a child. And I didn't feel safe. And then I didn't feel safe in my birth as well. So um, it was traumatizing that in itself, the screaming, the, you know, having to wake my husband up every night so he could make me feel safe. Cause I literally thought someone was at the end of my bed. So that was a huge deal for me within a week, two weeks, my night terrors were gone. Wow. I went from having them like nightly or multiple times a week to maybe once a month while I was working through all of these things because EMDR did bring up a lot of stuff from my past. Like I said, that I had filed away and I didn't remember. So it did bring things up as well. Um, So it was a while before they were completely gone, which they did completely go. I haven't had one in over a year. That's amazing. But it did go from being multiple times a week to... um, you know, every once in a while, just yeah. very, very few and far and few in between. How did you feel, just so everybody knows what to expect, how did you feel physically after your appointments? Were there things like you would have to do or mm-hmm. to calm down or like, because you're,
0: you're reliving trauma. So Exhausted. Yeah, Exhausted. That is the only thing I would go home and take a nap. Mm-hmm. I would always make sure I had time to take a nap afterwards or go get a coffee and go on a walk or do something that's like, decompressing. Yeah. Because you're even having these conversations now. And I don't know I'm how you felt, day. but <laughs> we like I, I felt like on, you know, after we record, I need to go take a nap. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I know it won't always be that way because this is what we're this is what we're talking through right now is trauma, but I think there is something exhausting about reliving and processing and your brain is tired. Yeah. I mean, the, just the physicality of what it's, it's going to the gym. Yeah. It's like we're exercising. You are because
1: your shoulders are up in your ears and yeah. you're shaking. Yeah. Like you're, you're holding so much trauma within your body and it's being released and that is yeah. exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. I had similar where I was tired um, afterwards, but I also, I felt almost gross. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because I was reliving things that I was very ashamed of in my past. So I remember um, I always needed to take a shower Mm. because I just felt like, oh, I got to wash that off. If you can catch what I'm feeling there. But yeah. um, And then yes, physically exhausted. And I always wanted a root beer. (laughs) (laughs) That was like my thing. I love that. I feel like I always in my life, I've always had those patterns of I always have something that I know will cheer me up. A comfort item. Yeah. So. When I was pregnant with Noah, I started liking root beer. I've never liked root beer in my whole life. <laughs> so I think that was like that small comfort afterwards. Yeah. I went next door to the store next yeah. door and I grabbed a root beer on my it's way It's
0: kind out. of that moment where you're like, I deserve to treat myself. I'm going to go get an ice cream <laughs> yes. or, you know, yeah. Some yeah. kind of special fun drink that you normally don't yeah. get that maybe has a ton of sugar in it or yeah. something that you're just like, I am going to do this because yeah. you should. So maybe before your first appointment, like yeah. mentally
1: prepare yourself for the hard things you're going to be doing mentally prepare yourself for the reward Mm -hmm. you're going to get of just like, you're going to feel so much more whole, but then also have something that you can do or eat. Something fun. Yes. Afterwards, because it is, it's draining. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about how to find an EMDR therapist, because that's a very specific modality. And if you don't know much about therapy, which I feel like most people don't, um, there are a lot of different ways to treat somebody who has issues. And you know, this is specific to trauma and PTSD. So the reason I even came upon EMDR therapy was through my sister-in-law, who is a therapist. Um, my husband finally broke down and he said, "I think you need to call her. I really think you need to call her." So I called her and I gave her a brief synopsis. Um, she was what I, I had told like three people at this point about my sexual abuse, so she's like the fourth person to know. <laughs> and she said, "Wow, Amanda, that's really heavy. I think you might be suffering with some post or some PTSD." Um, and she told me a little bit about EMDR in a very loving way, and she told me how to find an EMDR therapist. So if you are curious about EMDR, um, you can go to EMDR. I think it's EMDR.org, and you can learn from the actual website a little bit more about like the research that's went behind, that's gone on behind it, how it was developed, all the theories. Hmm. But um, a really good resource to actually find a therapist is Psychology Today. So the URL is www.psychologytoday.com slash US therapists. So this is going to bring up a page where you enter first your city and state. And then once you do that, it's going to come up with a whole list of therapists. But on the page, there's going to be a drop-down menu for like filters, things you can filter for. There's like gender, religious preferences, age preferences, what type of insurance you have. But there's also therapy types. Um, and that is where you're going to find EMDR. So just select EMDR, select the other things. If you do have a a gender or religious preference, like make sure you do all of that, but Mm -hmm. that will pop up everybody in the vicinity of, you know, the range you put around your home. And then from there you can read the profiles of different therapists. And that's what I did with mine. I called a bunch of different therapists and settled on one that, I thought I would vibe with the most and it was a really good choice mm-hmm. so it's a really really good tool yeah psychology I know today.
0: that my therapist is actually a licensed trauma therapist so she I don't know if there's something on there that mm-hmm. you can even just select trauma
1: yeah there is um there's like a an issues tab okay. so you can put you can even go as specific as uh, birth trauma okay so there's a lot of different ways you can That's do that cool. Um, if you want to know more about like the science behind PTSD, I would encourage you to get the book, the body keeps the score. That was the first book that my sister-in-law recommended to me. She said, get this. And it talks a lot about, um, and it mostly deals with PTSD from war vets, but it talks a lot about the physical, um, manifestations of trauma, like how it works in the brain. It'll show you brain scans. It will, if you're that person that needs to know the details, it also gives a lot of resources for healing and a lot of, good stories about Mm -hmm.
0: healing it's sitting on my bedside table right now
1: yeah it's a good one and then the other um source that i came across is patch.org so that's p-a-t-t-c-h.org and that is the prevention and treatment of traumatic childbirth it's um this whole association i had never heard of them before but as i was looking into their website a little bit more they have a lot of Resources right at the top of the page, there's um, a tab that says birth story or birth trauma resources, and they've got um, a whole list of podcasts you can listen to. Um, They have a group therapy session finder, so you can find group therapy sessions close to you. They have um, like articles you can read, books that they suggest. So that's a really great resource. I wish I would have Mm. had that I didn't know about. So that's patch.org, and that was p a t t c h.org. Yeah, I love that. I'd never heard of that either. And you found you found a good resource as well. Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Yeah, I feel like there's a couple things that would be really helpful um, that I wish that I would have poured into a little bit more. There are local support groups that you can find. Mm -hmm. There are um, I know like at the church that I go to, there are so many different groups for so many different topics. And I think if you can get plugged into something like that, you will just just carrying that notion that you're not alone is so healing in and of itself, regardless Mm. of what you're going through, whether it's infertility or you're a single mom or anything that you feel like is really hard for you right now. I would just really suggest finding some kind of group of people that are, that are feeling the same way or going through the same things. Um, I think that can be really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I think we live in a world of social media. So one of the biggest things I did postpartum was I curated my feed. I literally unfollowed so much stuff cuz I was a, you're a totally different human after you become a mother. That's kind of one of the big points of becoming a yeah. mother. Um, and so I lost interest in a lot of the things I was following beforehand. So I unfollowed people who made me feel less than that I was comparing myself to. And I basically, everybody I follow on Instagram right now is a mom that I agree with yeah. and or a therapist. So I followed <laughs> a lot of therapists online yeah. um, and I think that really helps. And you yeah. found one that you really Yes, liked.
0: there is a wonderful um, page on Instagram that is the birth trauma mama. I think that she... Um, shares so many valuable resources and so many quotes. I found <laughs> I was looking through my Instagram like archives, and I reshared so many things from her page before I even followed her. They were just coming up on my suggested, and I just resonated with everything she mm-hmm. was saying, and it made me feel so understood and seen for where I was at. Yeah. So, would highly recommend her too. Yeah, and I know she has a podcast as well.
1: Okay, we'll have to find that and post yeah. it onto our social media somewhere yeah. so people have access to it. Um we are going to go ahead and end this episode now and continue on our next episode with our guest speaker um I put that in air quotes you can't see it but <laughs> because I'm going to be reading her answers because right now is a chaotic time in her life so she couldn't be here today but I do want to end with um if this is you if anything we said today resonates with you please get help
0: mm-hmm. you're not
1: going to regret it um there's nothing wrong with you you're a really wonderful mother and the fact that you're here listening to this podcast Tells us that you are a wonderful mother. Yeah. Um
0: just seek help. Yeah. That's all I mean to and say. And I, I just will volunteer myself. If you want to personally reach out to me, I want to help you find help as well. Cause yeah. that can feel so daunting and so generalized. And if you need somebody to look for a therapist for you in your area, or you need somebody to talk to on the phone. I've already been doing Mm -hmm. that. Um, I've been pretty open about my story and there are, there are women who have been, you know, messaging me on Instagram and I, I love talking to them and I love giving them my phone number and saying like, we can, you know, I can help you with this.
1: We're both here. Um, you can find Jesse at wildflower writings and you can find me at dr.amanda.johnson we laugh every time eventually that's not going to be <laughs> funny um, and if this is you and you don't feel seen and you feel like you're being um, dismissed by your family or your partner like send them this episode this is an actual physical thing you cannot control and I think it's really important for everyone in your life to understand that as you work through this yeah
0: thanks for sharing all that yeah. we'll be back with uh, our guest speaker yes thank you for listening and remember that you were chosen to be the mother of your children and you are exactly where you need to be see See you you next week. week